So let's say you had the choice as a teacher to take on any class in the building. So who do you pick? Is it the gifted students or quote unquote gifted? Is it the honors students or your regular students? Is it students who are in some sort of remedial program or need a little bit more support? Who would you pick? Be honest. Well, today's guest, Dr. EBC, had a similar opportunity. He picked the most difficult kids to work with and to teach them reading. And at first it was hard, but then the kids started to soar. And you want to know why? Because they were seen and heard. And most importantly, they felt like they were somewhere they belonged. So that's where we begin today's uh, conversation on how to create belonging, but we dig into equity and inclusiveness. And Dr. ABC ends the show talking about the power. And I want to note that here because uh, it's important to me. Leaders forget about the power they have uh, and play small at times. And one of my coaching mantras that I say to myself as I serve others, either one-on-one or through the mastermind, is I help powerful people remember how powerful they are. A coach taught that to me, and I take it. (laughs) I receive that, and I hope maybe it will help you too. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box thinkers making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after a message from our show sponsors. Transform how you lead to become a resilient and empowered change agent with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education school faculty while you collaborate with a global network of fellow school leaders. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Hello, Ruckus Makers. Today I'm joined by Dr. Andrew B. Campbell, otherwise known as Dr. ABC, who is a graduate from the University of Toronto with a PhD in Ed Leadership Policy and Diversity. He is presently a faculty member in the Master of Teaching program at the University of Toronto and an adjunct assistant professor at Queen's University Online. He is an Ontario certified teacher and has been an educator for over 25 years in Jamaica, the Bahamas, and Canada. 
Welcome to the show, Dr. ABC. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You bet. I want to open up with a, with a story where you identified yourself as a ruckus maker. You were starting your work in equity, and uh, there, there was a principal who wanted to take a leap, and she trusted you and, and gave you the space to make that happen. So let's start there. Ah, thank you so much. Bring that memory, because it says long ago, right? Before, I think long ago, before we started using these amazing labels and titles, you know, equity specialist, advocate, activist, accomplice, all these terminologies. And I think ruckus is, 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 is so appropriate because, you know, you're doing something that is not, that is the, not the norm. And you're going to get pushback. You're, you should be expecting pushback because it's not regular scheduled program, so to speak. And I'm going to take you back a, a way back. So I'm going to kind of age myself a bit. This was like just left teacher's college in 1995. And I went back to the community where I, I grew up, you know, in, the, in a school. I grew up in a community, Waterford Primary to be exact, in, in Jamaica there, in Jamaica. And I remember the big school, very big school. And so because I was a pre-trained teacher at the school, the principal knew me. She said, you know, I was so excited. You are now a trained teacher. You could have any class you want. And she was, you know, in those days, you, you know, we stream kids. In those days, we stream kids. And so you had, you had six levels of streaming in a school from class A, class B, class C, class D. Like it's that, it's that ridiculous. You know, I say ridiculous now, you know, because that time you didn't understand how ridiculous that was, right? I, you know, every teacher wants to be an A class teacher, B teacher. You want, you want to, you want to bribe kids so you could make magic. But as a young teacher, I realized that having the brightest quote unquote kid, kids, you know, was not really the magic. The magic was come to, was, how do I get the ones who are not the best quote unquote kids in the school to do great? And so I went to my principal and I said to her, I would like to start a reading class for the kids who can't read, not just the ones who are in the D class or the B stream or the C stream, but for all the kids in the school who cannot read. Because I've been teaching those kids and I know that some of them can't read. But I want to just be a class where they spend time with me and I teach them how to read. So there was no big specked program at the school at that time. We know there was no those kind of fancy program. It was just a reading room. And she said, she said, yes. She said, let's do it. Let's take a chance. And I got a classroom. It was one of those empty old home economics classroom where it was closed down, lots of stove and fridge and things that are appliances that didn't work anymore, closed up. And I cleaned the classroom up myself. So I became the, the, the janitor. I cleaned the room up myself. I became the carpenter. I got my friends to help me fix it how I wanted. I had to take down, the, you know, the sink and the, you know, the, the cupboards because we want to look like a classroom, not a cook room or a home economics room. And I could tell you when we started it, and we picked the, and I selected the kids to come in the room. Everybody was afraid and ashamed because now you're going to go to what we could call back in Jamaica, the dance room, right? You're going to the dance room. And that's why I understand that teachers are magicians. I, I say that teaching is more than about content. It's about creating a space that students want to be at. And in less than two, three weeks, that room was seen as what's happening over there. What's the ruckus happening over there? And the ruckus was, there were kids learning who did not feel they belong in any other classroom. And so Mr. Campbell, the, the Mr. Campbell reading room, that time it was just Mr. Campbell, Mr. Campbell's reading room became the room. And we had parents coming to the school 
asking for their kids to go to reading who didn't need reading. And then it also became, I want to, I want to really add this. It became a space for everyone. This was where the teachers want to hang out and have lunch. I remember fondly how many meetings were held in the reading room because I made it home. And so it's important that you understand the power of advocacy and belonging in our schools. Yeah. That's one of my first making situation. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. ABC. And I, I want to follow up with that idea of belonging. Uh, but just to point out too, you know, and, and to honor that you raised your hand and, and, and you worked with kids um, who sometimes are overlooked, right? Within schools, mm-hmm. you saw their potential. And then, like you said, you were, you were cleaning, you were the carpenter, you made it a nice space so that uh, probably kids could feel good about being there. And you ended with this idea of belonging. And I'd like to dig into that. So, you know, there, there were a few things that you did there expertly to create belonging, but talk some more to us about how to set up spaces that are belonging and welcoming to our students and staff. Well, you know what I want to share? I want to share, especially speaking to educational leaders. I really want to, before I even get into how the space is created, because I'm going to give you one of my favorite uh, um, just ideas, because I don't want to overload with too many, you know, check boxes and, and lists, to-do lists. But it is, do educational leaders have the moral courage to create belonging in our schools? And that is, I think, is lacking in a lot of our schools. We don't have leaders who have the moral courage. Because guess what? If you're going to create something different, you know, create belonging for people who the system is not created for, you're going to have a pushback. And a lot of education leaders need to understand that when they get pushed back, that's natural. You are creating space for for people who the institution did not create space for. Because remember, our schools are institutions. They are, they are oppre- Many schools are oppressive spaces. Let's be very frank about that. They are made for the dominant, right? Then they're, they're not made for all students. And that is why we keep having big, beautiful buildings and a little wooden ramp attached to some staircase because it wasn't made for you. If it was made for you, the ramp would have been made different. It was an afterthought. And so belonging cannot be an afterthought. Belonging must be the center of creating the school. So for me, it's one of the essential things of belonging is in ensuring that you know, you see your students because belong to who? And so when as an educator, as a principal, as an educational leader, as a ruckus maker, you're thinking about how do you create belonging? Always go to the users of the space. It's not about what the principal feels should be belonging. It's what the students feel. You know, some, some simple thing like you want to put a mural on a school wall. I know the principal, like, like me, if, if I was going to put a mural on a school wall, it's guaranteed whether it's going, to, it's going to be something that I like. Because I like big, beautiful, bold colors. I like powerful women on my paintings. I didn't even realize in my house that the, the paintings that I have were, were powerful women until someone pointed out to me, do you realize you have a lot of powerful female energy and, and whatever on your art? And I was like, I didn't even think of that. So that would be what I would create. But if I'm creating a mural for a school, maybe that's not what the students want. So the the belonging is they're going to pass it. These 500 students are going to pass this mural on the school wall every day. Maybe I want to ask them, what is it that they want in the mural? So it becomes their mural and not Mr. Campbell or Dr. ABC or Sir's mural. It's them. So we need to really speak to the users of the space when we talk about creating belonging. Yeah, the mural is a great uh, illustration of how to do that belonging. And I'll, I'll share with the ruckus maker listening, just go ahead and Google uh, empathy map. 
and uh, mm-hmm. it should should come up. It was um, I found it in a book called Business Model Generation, uh, mm-hmm. but it's design thinking. You know, it's it's empathy and it's it's considering who you're making the mural for, who you're making the podcast for, whatever, what's going through their mind, what are the things they say to themselves, what are the challenges they face, what keeps them up at night. And there's a whole lot more to dig into. But again, because the show's not for me. When I started, it was because I wanted to grow my leadership. But then it evolved. And this show is now a gift for others, right? And so the mural's for others too. And I hear my puppy crying, so I'm going to go get her. But I'm going to ask you a question while I'm listening and the ruckus maker's listening. Absolutely. And, and, and have, you seen, have you seen belonging done in some specific ways that really just like blew you away, right? Visiting a school that you've spoken at or maybe through your research, but you're like, oh, wow, like this is some amazing stuff. So if you do, if you do have an example, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a, a, a lot. I've seen enough. I've seen a quite a bit. Well, I shouldn't say I've seen enough because I've not seen enough example, but I've seen enough for my eyes to be filled with joy. I've seen, let's talk about the art again. I've seen schools where the art is, is just a beautiful representation of this population of the school. And I've seen the opposite where the school is full of black and brown kids and the art, the walls are filled with pictures of just old white dead people. And I say it in a very profound way because sometimes we have to understand that, yes, we need, we need to have institutionalized history and, symbol, and symbolism, but also we have to think about, as you said, back again to the empathy map, the user of the space. So I've seen that. I've seen the schools where the, the production, the song, the music, even how the anthem is played. I've gone to a school where I, I tell you something, I didn't, I've never heard Jamaican anthem Funny enough, weird enough, I have never heard the Jamaica, and I'm from Jamaica for the users who don't know, I'm originally from Jamaica, the list is sorry, is I've never heard the Jamaican anthem in reggae format, but before I left Jamaica, in dance or like reggae format. I know, of course, there's a lot because I grew up that, but I just thought about, I didn't hear it play in a school, in a school. I went into Toronto in a school, in a predominantly black neighborhood, and they were playing the Canadian anthem in a reggae beat. Come on now. You see, the anthem wasn't changed. It's a Canadian anthem, but now it's in a reggae beat. You know, I've gone into another school and you hear the Canadian anthem played in a Latin beat. So people are do, doing that. And now the kids are singing the Canadian anthem, but they're singing to the reggae beat, right? It's about letting people feel that like they belong there. It's about letting students feel that like they belong there. So I've seen that. It, but, but another good example would be, let's take, it, let's take it to the curriculum. Let's take it to the curriculum. Let's take it to the poems we use in our schools. You know, I remember at grade five class I've been to, and the teacher had students, white teacher, and I want to make very clear, I like to use color because color is important. I want you to see color. The idea that I don't see color is, is of course, you know, it's ridiculous. We don't use that. So I want you to see color. So I see this mix. I said this person is indigenous. It's important. It's a part of who we are. So I walk into the school and this white teacher in charge of the class had a really mixed class, like just a mixed bag of kids. Amazing from all over. And she had the, you know, the flags of the different countries the students are, are a part of. And I know many persons listening will say, oh, we have done it. We have seen that. Here is what she did. That wasn't just that she did. That was simple. That's very good. It's cute. A lot of us, we do the cute things of equity. She went beyond just cute. She's having an entire poetry collection as she's teaching poetry. I've done that. A poetry, you know, a unit. And she found poems 
from all the different countries the kids were from. So there was a point from Malaysia, an Indian poem, a point from Jamaica, a point from St. Vincent Grenadines, a point from St. Kitts and Nevis, a point from Morocco, a point from Nigeria. And she had all these poems. You know what she did, Danny, to extend it? She said to the kids, you will bring in your poems. And then parents got involved and said, I will come to school and spend five minutes to read the poem with my accent, with my Nigerian accent. Oh, I get chills thinking about it. How amazing it was. So the kids knew they were learning grammar. They were learning language. They were learning the Canadian curriculum, but they were, their identity was right there. Yeah, it was, it was right there uh, embedded into it too. And I'm glad you brought the poetry uh, example. I was going to throw <laughs> that out there. I didn't know you were going that way, but you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing is you, you have this uh, sheet of paper and this, this story, this uh, way that the poet is trying to communicate with you. And then if you embed your personality, your culture, your background into it, it's, it's wonderful and beautiful to see how the poem changes but still stays the same at the same time and yeah you know flags food that kind of stuff that's like one percent that's like that's basic and so bringing in other stuff you know that's a really great example that you shared there so I'd love to ask you about drop the mic moments because you you shared this with me and it, and to be honest this is a, a new idea I've never heard you know I'm sure the ruckus maker listening when they say drop the mic there's a there's a specific type of way that we think about that, but you have a different take and it's refreshing. So why don't you drop the mic by talking about dropping the mic? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So for me, it's, you know, people talk about pass the mic or people talk about, you know, drop the mic is a moment where whatever, whatever, whatever. But for me, I, I, you know, cause I'm always thinking about equity at the center of the conversation. And I think about the persons who get to keep the mic, the people get to hold the mic. The people who get to, 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 to always have the mic in their hand, right? And those, and many times it's a dominant voice. It's a, so I keep hearing the dominant voice. So, you know, we love to talk about allyship a lot. And a lot of the allyship we talk about can be very performative because we want to defend and share the space and do all that kind of stuff, but we still want to be the one in charge. And I think a part of great leadership is how you share leadership. I believe in sheer leadership, team management. A lot of people, they, I think a lot of principals are sometimes intimidated when they are strong people on the team because they feel like, oh, you're going to take over the school. No, you are still a principal. You are still a principal. So for me, I always think about, you know, give somebody else the mic. Give somebody else the mic. You know, that's one way I, I, I think about, you know, the dropping the mic is so somebody else could take it. Somebody else, you know, I know you use the word pass the mic. I've heard that. But I believe in dropping the mic in such a way that somebody has realized they can take that up and run with it. It's almost like it's like a baton, but it's still a way that you leave it and allow that person to take it from a space to wherever they want to take it. And that's important for, 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 for the work we do. Is there a way you can encourage or, or facilitate that? Uh, you know what? It, 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 it's a process. It's a journey. And maybe this is where I bring in the idea of we have to really recognize we are at different parts of the journey. Since 2021 came in, every conversation I've had with a superintendent or an organization who's looking for a speaker or a workshop, 
I really, really get people. Are, I think people are, I think since January, 2021, no joke, people have been way more honest about where they're at with equity than ever before. I don't know what happened last year. They were, they were on the equity train. They were wanting to learn, but now people are saying, you know what? I realized since George Foreman's debt, we were all engaged in doing stuff. But like you said, Dr. Campbell, a lot of us did the one black talk or we did the one little thing. And now we're at a place where we're realizing it's not enough. Of course, it's not enough. And so they are now saying, where can we go? Where can we do? So for me, it's about recognizing where you are, the journey, but allowing people the space to, to walk their journey and give them the voice, the mic, so to speak, so they can take it on their journey and speak up and speak out about issues of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Yeah. Well, Dr. ABC, talking equity, inclusion, uh, this, this kind of topic is really near and dear to my heart. We're going to continue the conversation on the other side, but right now we're going to pause here for a message from our sponsors. Transform how you lead to become a resilient and empowered change agent with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership. Grow your professional network with a global cohort of fellow school leaders as you collaborate in case studies, bridging the fields of education and business. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Dr. ABC, and we were talking uh, equity there and drop the mic moments that actually facilitate somebody picking them back up. Uh, he touched on, you know, the, the murder of George Floyd, which really was a wake-up call for many around the world. Definitely a tragedy, but at least, at least a lot of people are cognizant and aware of the injustice that exists. I'd like to suggest a couple of resources myself, and then I want to ask you if you have some. And I, and I highly encourage uh, the Ruckus Maker listening to uh, contact Dr. ABC, and we'll talk more about that at the end of the show. You know, maybe uh, bring them in. I encourage you to bring them in to, to speak. But for me, you know, after that, uh, this has always been an issue that's been important, but we really turned up the dial. And so traditionally, we always read what I call, quote unquote, leadership texts, but from outside of education within the mastermind. But then I said, okay, we, we really need to tackle this issue. And so we looked at Kendi's um, uh, How to Be Anti-Racist. And for the next year, we're going to be reading Cast, uh, and we're reading uh, The Person You Mean to Be. So those are two books, two resources I can suggest. Dr. ABC, is there a resource or, or book or something that 
you've come across that's just amazing that you'd like to tell ruckus makers about? Yeah, I'm not going to say one book. So I've read a couple books, but I'm not going to say one book. You know what I'm going to say instead? I'm going to say read books from the voices you want to learn from. What do I mean by that? You want to learn about LGBTQ people. Read books written by LGBTQ people. In academia, we are so good at reading books written about people. I want us to learn how to read books written by the people who they're talking about themselves. So for me, you know, I was asked, honest, I was asked a question a couple of months ago, something similar to this by a school board superintendent. You know, we're having a conversation in a, in a podcast, something like this. We are seen as whose knowledge is powerful, whose knowledge is valuable. And so for me, I want to read books that are written by, if I'm going to learn about LGBTQ, then I want to read a book written by somebody who's LGBTQ. Because you find professors who do that, it's very distilled, it's very academic, and it doesn't, it, you do not get to connect. I want my readers to connect with me. I am very big at this, and that's maybe that's why I have such a pull or an influence in my workshops. And I do get quite a bit of an offer because I speak as a teacher. I am a doctor. I have a PhD from the top university in Canada, but speaking to teachers. I am also a classroom teacher. So my stories are from kindergarten. They are from what happened in the in the cafeteria. They are from what happened in the playground. I could give you 10 sandbox stories. I could give you stories about the hallway, about the passageway, about, about the bus, about a field trip, about a camp. I can tell you stories from my lived experiences because I am living the experience. And so for me, I would encourage your readers to also, when they get to buy books, they want to learn about Black, you know, Black authors, Black poet, write, write the book, get the books, buy the book, purchase the book about those artists. And I use the word purchase in a very significant way because a lot of our persons are not supported, you know, by a lot of authors are not supported, you know. And so we want to make sure we get that support in. And you'd be surprised the way you can support many writers, is by purchasing their work. We, we know that, right? And get them, they use their work. And I'll close with saying this, why it's important to me. You know, I get quite a bit of offers to speak during Black History Month. And I will tell people, remind people, I am not just Black at Black History. I'm Black all the time. But also, my work is not a Black speaker. I am not your Black speaker. And I say that to people, you know, even your listeners will be listening to me and say, oh, I must get him for Black History Month. Yeah, you can try. Maybe there has to be no space in my calendar, but I'm not your Black speaker. I am your everyday three, six to five days a year speaker because my PhD is in leadership, policy, and equity. So that's it. Absolutely. That, that would be my thing there. I love it. So uh, you're obviously a great storyteller. And I think that is a pedagogical approach. And so can you can you tell me, um, is that a is that a purposeful move uh, or something that's just natural to you uh, in terms of uh, influence and in teaching through story? Storytelling? Yes. Yeah, storytelling for me is natural. I grew up hearing stories. And, you know, there's something they said about young people who grew up around old people. <laughs> so I, I grew up listening to old people telling stories. And, you know, you can't tell a story like an old person. There's a way that they tell a story that you, you, you they can transport. It grips you. Yeah, they transport you. And I, and I learned that from my grandmother. And she would... She would show you how the person lean. You know, my grandmother would tell me about someone bringing coffee 
on their head. A woman bringing coffee, a basket of coffee to the coffee house. And she will describe how that person stopping the middle of the street with her hands akimbo. You could see, you could feel, you could even smell the coffee in the story. Mm. And so it's an art. And so for me, I, I, I cherish that because I learned it from my grandmother and people around. But also in anything you do, Danny, you have to also work on sharpening your skills. And so over the years, that's a part of what I do. And you do it well. We love it. Thank you. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about School Marquee. And if you could put a message on all School Marquees from around the world, what would you put on that School Marquee? I'm going to answer this quick because it is so part of me. Quick School Marquee would be, you belong here. That's on the School Marquee. You belong here. Why? Because belong is important. Our students need to know they belong and they're not intruders in the building. And they, they belong in the curriculum. In every single thing we do, we're going to talk about belonging. So, and because of that, they, because they don't belong, our students disengage. So I want them to know you belong here. Come just as you are. You belong here. Great message to have. You know, I tell the leaders I support too, is we picked you to be you, right? Don't try to be anybody else. And uh, I think it's sort of a similar message. Thank you. Uh, so if you're building a school from the ground up, Dr. ABC, and you're not limited by any resources, your only limitations, your imagination, how would you build your dream school? And what would be your top three priorities? I'm going to, I'm going to want, I want to spend time on my priorities so I'm going to tell you how I would build a school. And this is it. I was thinking about it. It would be a big school. Just so you know, it would be a monstrosity of a school. And you say, why? Why are you doing a big school? Because I want to create space. I want to create space for all our students. And I want to create really unorthodox space. You know, I want, and, and this may sound weird or sound surprising to people, but I don't want the school pool well, I want maybe two school pools, right? But I don't want the school pool to look like just the old Olympic lane pool. So I want that. That would be maybe on the West Wing, the regular quote-unquote school pool. But on the next side of the school, the East Wing, we want a pool that looks like what looks like, like a river. I'm going to be selfish. I want a pool that looks like a river. A pool that has maybe fake, or not fake, real rocks. A pool that has a blue, a blue hole where our kids could dive off into. A pool that has that natural water, fake waterfall. We'll, we'll build a waterfall. I want a pool that says, come, come, come swim. Come for a swim in it. So that is, that's why I want so much space, okay? <laughs> but my three priorities in the school would be people. And the first priority would be the employee. So when I'm thinking of the school, I'm thinking of the employee. When I'm designing the school, I'm thinking of the employee. Who will work here? Who qualifies to work here? And I'm calling, and who qualifies to work here at the Dr. ABC Institute for Black Excellence? That's the name of the school, by the way. Dr. ABC Institute for Black Excellence. Who is qualified to work here? And no, it's not just Black people. <laughs> because I want the school to be a, a big, inclusive space. Who is qualified to work here? And that's the first one I want to do. I want people who see my students and people who believe in our students. And then the next priority is the community. I need the community to connect to the students. So I'm thinking of the politicians. I'm thinking of the churches, the mosque, the, the non-profit, all of that. You know the reason why? Because I want them to use the school. So when I designed a school, I designed a school in mind that the community will use the school, right? So 
I, I, I want to come into you as a gym. On a regular Friday evening, the school is popping because there's some group using the gym for basketball or for some dance competition. The outside, the theater is going to be used. There's some singer. Maybe there's, my, you know, I'm, I'm, of course I'm going to be a little bit selfish again. Maybe that, maybe we're using our school for somebody like Patti LaBelle because a big school, remember, it's a big theater. So Patti LaBelle is, is in concert at our school grounds. You know what I'm saying? Come on now, right? I, you know, she's using our theater. You know, there's a there's, the Harlem Black dancers are using our theater, you know, wherever our school is at. So that's what I want. I want a school where the community gets to come into the school. As, as something as simple as parents who don't have space to keep a, a party and they want to keep a party for their kids. You can use our school space free of cost. Because remember now, the politicians have invested in our school. So the politicians you vote for have given us money and we can, you can come to our school and, and keep that barbecue in our school backyard. Oh, come on now. Okay. <laughs> and the last thing I want in my priority is our students. So the people, the, the staff who's going to work there, the community is going to use the school and our students. I want them to come from far and near. I want them to come black and mixed. I want them to come confused about their identity. They're not sure who they are. I want my school to be a school where you could transition in my school. So you came in grade seven, grade two, grade three, and your name was Andrea because you identify as male. And somehow school is amazing and you get to find out who you are and you're not struggling with your identity and you get to realize that I identify more as female. And so you transition and we're fine. We're good. We're good. Give us your new name and let us call you by your new name. And I'm ready for that. I want it to be a fabulous school where come into your wheelchair. As a matter of fact, in our school, come with your bedazzled wheelchair. Put on this, put on, you know, put it, come with your wheelchair because it's not a piece of wooden ramp we have at our school. Our school is built, Danny, with a piece of wooden afterthought ramp. Our school is built with a fabulous ramp. As a matter of fact, you could put three, four persons side by side on the wheelchair when to come up in the school. We don't need to be coming in a line behind each other because there's enough space for all the wheelchair because it's, it, it was made for you. So I want, I have a, and I want kids to come with their big dreams and their big ideas. I want my little black girls to say, I want to go to that school because I want to be a scientist. And as she come into that school, she knows you could be a scientist because everything in that school says to them, you could be a black scientist because we're going to work with you. We're ready for you. So that's my school. And I'm excited. I'm bursting with excitement because I feel like I, I feel like I could really have a school like that. We feel it. Thank you so we much. We feel it, Dr. ABC. And we tell those girls too, you could be, you could be vice president. You can be president. So uh, I love that, that big vision. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, Dr. ABC, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I want ruckus makers to remember you have the power. You have the power to create change. You do have the power. A lot of times we forget we do have the power. When I speak to people, you have the power. I'm telling you right now, as a black, gay immigrant from very humble backgrounds in Jamaica, living in the Bahamas for eight years, now living in Canada, I am sometimes happy to realize that the power that I have, and I'm a part of, many people in my community are powerless, but I do have a power of title. 
I do have the power of position where I work and I use it. I do have the power of, you know, financial stability and I use it. I have a power of a big voice and I have used it. Use whatever power you have. Some of you, and I will say this, Danny, many of you don't realize you have power of a signature. Some of your signatures are so good and important. With one signature, something could happen. Use your signature. Use your power. Use your title to make change, to create a ruckus. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.